Hey, what's up, Low Voltage Nation? This is Blake from Nashville. This is Cameras with BIT with my co-host, Mason Bortz out of Elkhart, Indiana. We're going to talk about ISC West, a little bit about coronavirus, and the tornadoes of Nashville. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it was bound to happen getting postponed, um, but it... Uh, it would really be nice if they had uh, canceled or postponed it, preferably canceled it well in advance. Um, Blake, I don't know if you were aware, but they sent an email out like two weeks before and they're like, yep, we're mm. definitely doing it. We're definitely doing it. And then like two days later, they're like, we're definitely postponing it. And uh, it was, uh, it just sucked because it, uh, well, they rescheduled it to July. And if you read, uh, I, I read an article on IPVM, they're saying that, the only time they could reschedule it was in the middle of July when it's like a hundred degrees out. And the kicker is, is they're not going to have the AC on for all the vendors to set up in. So not only (laughs) is no one going to show up to this event, all the vendors are going to be in a crappy mood because they're going to be sweating like profusely setting up all their equipment. And, uh, it's going to just be an awful experience. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you don't know that, that it's going to be an awful experience, but you're probably right. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is we, you've had like a lot of the big vendors pull out of it. I, I, I don't remember who exactly, but you know, reading the weeks coming up to when they postponed it, <clears throat> you just had a lot of vendors pulling out and, you know, cause they didn't want to get their employees infected. And then, so if they pulled out, they're probably not going to come to the July. The other issue with being July, that's when a lot of, you know, parents take their kids out on vacation. So now you're going to be in the spot where there's not probably going to be a lot of attendees and a lot of people are kind of burned from, you know, postponing or canceling their uh you know all their uh stuff for it and then maybe it falls in on a, the time that they had put uh you know on the calendar for a vacation so we're not going to it we were looking forward to going to it but we're definitely not going to it now so hopefully next year but we'll see yeah it, it you know a lot of things have been canceled obviously and yeah. the meetup the, the atlanta lvn meetup it, the same thing kind of happened oh, yeah. in slack where uh, where um I said, I'm standing firm. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not postponing <laughs> the meet. The meetup is still on. Yeah. And then within like 10 minutes, not even that I was like, the meeting's being postponed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Because Raymond, Raymond, he, he was going hard in the paint with some propaganda. He was like, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks has Corona. And then he's going, NBA has been, he, he said, NBA has been canceled three times. And I was like, gosh, dog, man, I got to postpone this. What a shit show. It's been crazy. I mean, it's good what we're doing, right? Trying to flatten the curve out. It'll take longer, but less people get affected. And we hopefully won't overwhelm the hospitals, but kind of feels like we're already overwhelming the hospitals. So yeah. Um, in bigger, bigger cities, but El- Elkhart, Indiana, I mean, social distancing <laughs> is kind of the norm, right? What you guys do <laughs> way of life <laughs> pretty much. I mean, they, they shut down the schools and, you know, but it's like kind of life is going on as it normally is around here. Not many people um, are, are changing. I think there's uh they've shut down some restaurants, but I think that's more in the, the bigger cities. They've shut down restaurants, but still in Elkhart, I believe the majority of the restaurants are still open. Um, the, uh, a lot of the fast food chains you, you have to, you can order online. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and go pick it up. Um, but I don't know. It just it's a slightly different. But I I think one of the things that that are kind of messing with people is that <clears throat> I think it's uh, I, I think it's a little bit over dramatized in the sense that it's like the world's coming to an end. Where realistically, we just need to stay. You know, we need to not go into big social gatherings and wash hands and, you know, be healthy and clean and I don't know, just not, you know, do the social. Um, so I can't think of the word now. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is that two weeks ago I was forced yeah. to leave my house because a tornado hit this devastated my neighborhood. Now I'm being forced yeah. to stay in my house with a tarp on it. <laughs> <laughs> At least you got a tarp, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Water is not getting in my bedroom right now. You know, you know, Life. for a test, what you should do is put like a, a box of toilet paper on the peak of your roof and see Why? if anyone falls in at night. <laughs> Try <to> get it. <laughs> I don't know why you said that, but okay. Because well, toilet paper has been uh, like, we're all out of toilet paper here in Elkhart. Like you go to really? like a Walmart or a Meyer. I mean, it's like all the yeah. toilet paper has gone. Like there's no toilet paper. Yeah. When, whenever I go to the gym, which has been yeah. closed. Um, yeah. And I'll go and like, I'll look at the toilet paper, kind of like double take it, you know, be like, Hey man, uh, what's up? You know, <laughs> should I take toilet paper? Yes or no. From the gym is what I'm getting at. But anyway, <laughs> It's a weird time, man. Let's it let's dive into time. some more relevant stuff. Um, yeah. Let's talk about. So we talked about ISC West. Is yeah. there anything else you want to get off your chest about how mad you are about that, or what do you think? Well, I just you know we booked uh, through Spirit Airlines because <clears throat> you know don't like paying a lot for airfares, but you quickly learn that when you book with the cheapest airline, is if everything goes as planned, is perfectly fine. If things don't go as planned, you yep. end up paying for a flight that you're never going to get on. So right. <laughs> they uh, they don't allow you to uh, actually get a refund on your flight, which I thought was kind of odd. I, I don't fly a lot, but I thought if you said, hey, I don't need the service anymore, that they would give you your money back or at least most of your money, but they just allow you to put that as a credit towards your next flight. So, so they aren't they aren't waiving fees in light nope. of the event? Wow. Nope. nope. It's too bad. Yeah, what you can do is you can reschedule your flight for another day for free, right. but that doesn't really do anything because <laughs> yeah. like you know i'm like okay when am i gonna fly again <laughs> i don't really know right. next year maybe it's hard to tell <laughs> yeah cool um let's talk about this p m the nine thousand yeah. vq i feel like we've already talked about it but it's a pretty we have yeah we have probably but i'm looking at a picture it's your, it's your most recent picture on instagram and yeah. it's a pretty cool camera yeah um, so it's a uh it's just a <clears throat> Um, four sensor, five megapixel, uh, camera and it's fixed focal, not very focal. And it doesn't have any IR capabilities. Um, but what's cool about it is you can buy uh, five megapixel and different very focal lengths. And that allows you to basically, you know, see at a wider field of view or a narrower field of view and the lenses just pop in and pop out. So if you're like, Oh, Hey, I want to try a 97 degree or a 50 degree or 70, like five or two degree, you can throw those in there and see which one works best for your application. Um, it has all the abilities to like line cross and uh, facial detection. Um, you can, put alarm input and output a microphone into it. it it's a really it's a nice camera because you can throw it up on a corner and see you know 
all the way around the building and move each lens separately. Um, they do have other ones where you can have, uh, you can move the lenses remotely in the camera. Um, but <clears throat> the downside to it is you don't have a lot of freedom. So I'm hoping that as time goes on, these camera modules get, uh, smaller and smaller so we have more freedom of movement in the camera body because you know right now if you want to have like a 50 degree lens or you know field of view lens pointed and have it fairly close to like a 97 maybe to get you know a a better image of something further away you can't do that so it has some limitations to it but if you implement it correctly it works really well and you can also do ptz handoff with it so uh, we're using this actually. So if you want to have a PTZ camera mounted, um, but you do, you want it to kind of auto track, but not on the camera itself, you can set these and have different zones <clears throat> and say, okay, when the PTZ sees, or sorry, when the static camera, in this case, a PNM 9000 sees a, uh, an object in a very specific area, it will tell the, the PTZ camera to go to a preset. So, you know, if you have like a gate and, you want to see the license plate on a truck when it sees motion in that area it'll tell the ptz to go to that area so it works really well for that um we're setting that up at at this location um but overall it's nice because it's one camera and one uh, cat six line and that gives you power in your data it does pull about 20 20 to 25 watts of power so it is it is hungry for power um so you gotta have poe plus but they they work really well um the only thing is I wish they would make one that was verifocal that had smaller lenses. So they make that in a two megapixel variant, but not a five megapixel variant. So I really like the five cause you just get, you get such a, you get a much better picture out of it than a two. Um, so I'm hoping Hadwa makes a five megapixel version of one where it has PTZR built in. So you can do, you know, all your camera adjustments in the camera. Um, I mean, at remotely instead of being up on a lift because usually we mount these really high up. So you always have to have a boom lift to get to them. You were mentioning something about facial recognition, but yeah. it's not not face, facial recognition. It's what's it called? Facial detection. Facial detection. Okay. Yeah. Those are so, two completely different things to a certain extent, right? Yeah. So facial recognition, is, it recognizes a specific face. So it recognizes it's Blake. Facial detection is it recognizes that there's a face there. There's um, a face, yeah. Yeah. So what we do or you know, what we found that, that's been successful for us is people always want to have a camera high up in the air to get a wide overview shot. And then they always go, well, I want to see a license plate with that camera. And you, and you promptly reply, you can't do that because the camera is going to be like 100 feet away when you count for elevation from that license plate. It's going to be an awkward angle. That's never going to work. So what we like to do is put up a camera high because that's what a customer wants. And then for ag- extra detail, we're at this job, we're putting X and V 6010 uh, cameras at each door. And so those give you 139 degree field of view, similar to a, uh, a nest uh, or a ring doorbell. And then there was also a facial detection built into them. So what we can then do is set up our VMS software, which is open eye at the site to send notifications to the owner or the manager. If it detects a face at a, you know, between a certain time period. And we found that that's been fairly successful. Uh, you could do have false positives, but um, 
it, it works really well. Uh, it works definitely a lot better than motion detection. So, and then you get a really nice clear image of their face. And it also gives you better point of view, um, you know, as if you were standing there on the ground looking at, um, you know, the scene, if there's a car going by or a truck or a person. So. How do you think this would perform in uh, like a tornado situation? Do you think if that if there was a tornado ripping through a downtown area, yeah. it would be able to capture it? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it would if you had a wide enough field of view and it was far I enough gotta, away. I gotta figure. I gotta figure out who has these installed in Nashville because there has to be thousands of high high definition cameras that capture the yeah. tornado, and I've yet to see any footage unfortunately like you see a lot of these cameras installed at uh you know like tall buildings and they're like just very they're not mounted great (laughs) i don't know why i think people kind of like lose their mental thought process on how to mount a camera sometimes when you see these you know cameras mounted on like a little one inch pole up on a roof you know 20 stories up like i just i don't really see how that's gonna last (laughs) i saw a camera mounted a ptz camera mounted um to a five gallon bucket and then there was three other five gallon buckets filled with concrete that and then they had like they had uh, like strings or rope going to it to keep it stable and it was mounted up on a roof and then also had a wi-fi like bridge antenna attached to it it was it was pretty cool and this I would is never and, yeah did you get a picture of it um i i unfortunately don't because i was okay. i was at another i was quoting another job and i was like oh that's that's <laughs> one way to do it the versatile switch now who is who makes these switches um, i believe it's tycon tycon yeah it's tycon yeah so I, i'm actually really interested in this switch because of the price point and yeah. i think what was the ambient temperature the max was like 185 degrees fahrenheit so it's like um, an outdoor rated situation yeah yeah it can do um let me let me look it up here real quick so it can yeah. do like negative 20 storage temperature is negative 40 to 185 degrees fahrenheit uh, operating temperatures negative 22 to 158 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, <clears throat> and then the, it can take uh, it, its input is 44 volts DC to f- 57 volts DC. Um, so, so the nice thing about it is you have uh, a total of five ports on the switch. So port one is 60 Watts high power POE. And then ports two, three, and four are 30 Watts POE. And then port five is 12 watts, uh, sorry, 24 volts at 12 watts PoE. So that allows you to have your uplink be a ubiquity or <clears throat> whatever antenna that runs at 24 volts. And then all of your other ports can be regular PoE. And if you have like a like a PTZ uh, camera that's PoE that needs you know high power, you can then put that on port one and get 60 watts out of it. Um, so it's a cool switch. They just came out with it. Um, we're going to try to implement it at a, at a job where it's a car wash and the guy had conduit installed out to his sign and he had two of them put in and the one we were going to use for low voltage got crushed somehow and is no longer usable. Um, so we were just going to put up little, uh, ubiquity, believe they're like M loco antennas. It's the ones that are like 54 bucks a pop. And so yeah. those, you can get the like upgraded version of that. That's a hundred dollars that does 48 volts and 24 volts, or you can get the cheaper versions as 24. So seeing that they have the switch is really nice because we can put in those cheaper antennas because it's literally like a 50 foot, you know, distance 
and then uh, you know put our camera up. We're gonna do a P a P and M ninety thirty V, and so that camera takes four five megapixel sensors and stitches them together to create a hundred and eighty degree field of view camera or a two hundred twenty degree field of view. Um, and if you put that at like twelve feet, you can read license plates off cameras off that camera. Um, and for that field of view is just incredible. So this is what we're going to try to go with. We, uh, we had originally quoted it with the, um, Altronics power supply, but those run about $1,100 for a power supply. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas this is running in the like mid twos. So it's definitely a huge difference. You know, the one side is if you go with an Altronics, you pretty much know that thing's never going to shut off. And, you know, for the price point, it really shouldn't. And this, you know, it's a little bit cheaper. We've installed them before. They seem to work fine. We haven't had any issues with them, but they're not really a well-known name like Altronics is. So right, you do have that, that little bit. We've had one going at an apartment for, I believe, like a year and a half, two years, and we had three of them installed, and they all work just fine. Um, so I'm not really worried about it failing. Um and if it if it does fail for whatever the reason, you know, and we look at going with an Altronics one. Um, but from my use, putting three of them in, they've worked fairly well for me. So three of them in a in an apartment complex. Yep. And, and then, not and in great the, conditions. <laughs> not in great conditions. Yeah. So what did, did you put them in? Like, um, what are those things called? The NEMA boxes. Box. The NEMA boxes. I've been out yeah. of the game so long that I, I forget what a NEMA box is. It's only so, been a few months, too. <laughs> yeah, it, it fully enclosed, no ventil. It's not ventilated NEMA enclosure. The thing that we found, because we had one that was dropping out, <clears throat> and what we found is, is the power supply, because these don't ship with a power supply. So you can either buy their power supply that they sell, or you can be like Mason and try to, see if you could save a couple bucks and buy a different power supply turns out you should probably buy their power supply because it works a lot yeah. better so yeah 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 that's one thing you don't really want to like mess around with is like yeah. the power supply that that's uh, one of the most important parts yeah um, so but you said that you, it gets pretty hot even in elkhart yeah. indiana you're talking like a hundred and some degrees fahrenheit yeah so that thing has to be getting like over 150 degrees fahrenheit inside that nema box during the summertime it has probably. to be yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And you and it's been installed for how many years? Two years? Yeah, we're going on two years now. Going on two years. Huh. And no issues with them yet. Nope. None none that I'm aware of. So well, that's that's reassuring. Tycon, yeah. Tyconsystems.com is the I've never heard of them, but I like yeah. it. Yeah. I kind of found them out of the blue. They have a lot of just weird because they, they kind of seem to be a um like remote switch gear company because they sell like solar panel converters and battery um you know power supplies and managers so the, you know from what i could tell it looks like their idea is you could like set a pole up in the middle of nowhere have a wireless uplink to it and a solar panel and a battery and run cameras and whatever you want to and have their switches installed um in that box so so far they've been working they're really affordable and um, they're DIN rail mountable, or you can just screw them mm. into the into the NEMA box. So, um, uh, yeah, they've been they've been pretty cool. So, boom, boom. So I'm looking at a picture on your Instagram, and it is somebody. I don't think it's you. I think it's Jeremy. 
but he's hanging. Who is it? Carl. That's Carl. Okay. That's I, Carl. I didn't meet Carl. I met Jeremy <laughs> at the meetup, but yep. it, it's a uh, Chatsworth. And how many, how many uses that? that uh, I think it's 19. Right. 19 new no, Chatsworth. No, it's 26. It's 26. It looks a little bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then next to it is a life safety power enclosure. Yep. Yep. So what's going in both those enclosures? So the life safety power is getting a Paxton back panel. There's going to be five Paxton doors with a um, one of their beefier power supplies, a M8, which is their um, like door relay pack um, that's network controllable um, or network monitorable, an NL4, and then a I believe a D8. So those are all parts in the life safety power. Um, kind of family so when you buy a life safety power panel you go on their line you go on on their website and they have uh kind of choose what brand of door controller or door system you're using and then if you know those obviously listed if they have it we use paxton they have paxton back panels um i actually kind of special ordered this one because i wanted um when when paxton designed their uh uh board or system with life safety power they specified that the paxton uh door controller could handle the door um uh, lock hardware so on like your mercury's or your brevos you have a separate relay board that you wire your door controller into and then that relay board is basically sacrificial so to speak um if you were to like cross wires or short something out, that is the board that's like 50 bucks or 40 bucks that could potentially fry instead of your door controller. Well, Paxton, their boards are built a little bit differently in the fact that they can just handle more power. I mean, the, the amount that you can output out of these boards is kind of crazy when you buy one that's, you know, a single one in a, in a single enclosure. Um, so I understand why they did that. But the nice thing is if you do an M8 and you hook the Paxton up to that, um, it allows you to see how many cycles each door lock has been through and or whatever device you have connected to it. Uh, change the voltage. You can do tests remotely. You can flip relays remotely. Um, so there's a lot that you can see from that. So we decided to go that route. And then I believe it's a D8, which is uh, basically your just power supply for all your boards. Um and those all connect via serial uh, to a NL4, which is what basically is a little daughter board um, that spits all that information out and you connect that to, uh, to your network and then you can monitor that remotely. So that's the route that we went. It was more expensive. And for this customer, money wasn't a huge object to them for this installation. So it's kind of like, hey, we trust you. You do whatever you feel is the best for this, you know, site. And so that's what we did. And what's nice is that, well, because we went with that life safety and we went with managed power, we'll be able to remotely monitor all the doors and see how many times they're getting open and closed and the strikes are being used. We'll be able to monitor what the batteries are at, how much life is left in them, when the power has gone out. I mean, there's just so much that we can monitor from that. And then uh, we went with a Chatsworth rack um, for, for our IDF for the shop. So because this is a trailer repair shop, they're grinding, welding. There's a lot of gases and just 
particulates in the air. So we went with their RMR series, which is their fully based. Their ba- it's basically a fully enclosed sealed rack. So instead of having um, one locking handle on the whole rack, there's three. There's these huge O-rings that go around all the pieces that fit together. Um, so you have a really nice tight seal, and then the fan has a filtered intake. Um, and it, it, I mean, it's just a beefy rack. It does take about five weeks to actually get it when you place your order. So you have to know well in advance that you're going to use this rack. You can't just order it and get it, you know, in two days or a week. So, um, they're built to order. Um, but they are really well built. They are pretty expensive. Um, but they are, they're, they're really well built. We like to use them a lot. The other nice thing is these are both of them are spaced from the wall. So the life safety panel, we put Unistrut behind it because this is a wall that divides an addition. So there is a fear that water that well, water has and will eventually probably come down that wall. Um, if it rains really hard. Um, so what we did is we, the Chatsworth, you can get a brackets mounted to the wall. Um, that kicks it out from the wall a little bit. And on the life safety panel, we mounted uh, Unistrut vertically. So water wouldn't pull up on it. It would just flow right through the Unistrut. And then we put um, two additional tap cons in the wall in the Unistrut. And we didn't fully, we didn't fully screwed into the wall. So if the rack were to ever slide, it would slide about an eighth of an inch and then hit those tap cons and not slide any farther. <clears throat> so, that's kind of the, the system in a nutshell. We also have cable fill cable tray. And so uh, above it, and what we did was, is we ran one foot cable tray throughout the whole building. And then we, above our rack, we're doing two foot ca- uh, wide cable tray. And that's where our service loops will go before they run down the three inch conduits. I think we're doing three and a half inch conduit into the Chatsworth and two inch into the life safety. And then they'll run down in that way. Um, and that just keeps our service loops easier to get to and uh, just keeps everything nice and organized. So it <clears throat> made a lot of sense. Instead of doing a one-foot section there, do a two-foot. Um, gives us just a lot more space. Now that we've done it, in the future we may do like a two-and-a-half-foot if they make it um, just because you can never really have enough space with service loops and extra cable. Was was this the project where the guy was like, "Hey, did you guys do the low voltage?" Like, yeah. I've never seen anybody get so anal, yeah, about <laughs> everything. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's a good, which is a good thing. That's a compliment. Yeah. I'm assuming he was like, "You guys do great work." Yeah, or was no, he, he was being like, "Wow, what's wrong with you two kids?" You know? No, no, he was. He's like, "You guys do great work." And we actually had. Um, I haven't been on this job site a lot. Like, day I just stop by about uh, you know once every two days or so to kind of check in on yeah. how it's going. But Papa's in the house. <laughs> Get to work. <laughs> but uh, they, they actually had a couple vendors come in um, for other parts, and they you know they were seeing us work in there they asked um, who, who they had hired because they, <clears throat> you don't expect a trail r- repair place to have cable fill cable tray <laughs> installed throughout. <laughs> You're expecting, you know, to hire, they hire some handyman guy to run some cat five that he found in a scrap bin and right. you know, run it all. Exactly. So they're, they're, some people were asking and, and then also complimented us on the, on the work. So people see it, they see that the time has been put into it and it's a good job. So 
especially when it's yeah. the shiniest thing. It's kind of hard to not notice it. Yeah. And there's just, yeah, there's so much residual that happens with something mm-hmm. like that because, you know, you got the one guy think he, he's going to be in your mind like constantly whenever yeah. he's looking at another project. Like, oh, they didn't do it like those guys. Like BIT yeah. did it. <laughs> so it's this, I mean, it just, it just adds up over time because you're displaying your work. It's going to be viewed by a lot of people. So, yeah. And then Chatsworth, they said on your Instagram, they go, wow, Mason, perfect example of an ideal application for these NEMA type RMR enclosures. Thanks for sharing. I'll put it on the website. So my question mm-hmm. to you is, did Chatsworth put it on the website? They, they, I mean, last time I checked, they had put all our projects on there. So. Oh, really? That's yeah. pretty dope. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, from everything I've heard on the grapevine, yep, they're, they're all on there. <laughs> Actually, that one I don't think is quite yet. Um, That's but all of our other, if you go to the bottom of it, um, two of ours are on there. <clears throat> they have one that's a fiber one that doesn't look that great, but that's not our work. So <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to look at that one. <laughs> wait, there's one project where you're like, uh, oh, wait, they, they, you got a link directly to it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, so wait, hold on I've a second. This is all line, they're really like our projects that we do. So, well, you didn't have to hear through the grapevine. They literally posted it on their website. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, like on the uh, when I called to get the to see if I get a, a reduced price on the demo rack. Yeah. Um, the they, you know, were like, yeah, we can do a demo price on it. And then when they found out it was us, they were like, oh, we'll just send it to you because you've been like great at like showing you know our products off. So I was like, oh, all right. So, and I, yeah, it was just. It's just kind of crazy because I don't think we do a ton of work like, you know, as in like Chatsworth. I mean, you look like what you're looking at right now, this case study where it's like rack on rack on rack on rack on rack on rack, just down the line. Right. You would think they would want to send a free rack to someone that's putting in a lot of them. And we're not putting in a ton of them. We're just showing off the little bit that we do put in because we really like them. So. You know what's yeah. funny is I have I have a I think it's a twelve or a fourteen U Chatsworth rack under my bed. <laughs> I think I need to give it back to. I think Chatsworth sent it directly to me from Pierce. Oh, <laughs> we never used it for the meetup. We just Why did, not? It was a it was a backup. It was a backup oh. plan from the W box. So gotcha. So yeah. why did you go with Why did you go with the W box over the Chatsworth if you had the Chatsworth? Because the because the W box, um, the initial thought was let's use that because it has feet on it and we can oh. put it on the table. For, for demo purposes. Gotcha. So a, a lot of that, you know, the, the whole open concept or the open rack and, yeah. you know, using the ADI version of it, a lot of that was to show people like what it looks like inside yeah. a rack and how you're supposed to do all the cable management and the routing and the keystones and like, and be able to demonstrate that, you know, it's not always like the best to have a, an open rack, you know, just like hanging out. Yeah. Um, it just depends on the app. You know, we talked about this quite a bit and we're, you know, it just depends on the application, but for yeah. the LVN gold standard 14 U data rack, there was a specific reason why we chose that was it can be implemented in a production environment, but it's also really cool for, demo purposes and transporting and then teaching people how to punch stuff down. There was a, a real reason for that. Yeah. You know, I, I think as, as time goes on and we, we keep, uh, you know, looking at cause your, your thought told your thought eventually is to do like a, a document on, you know, if you're doing 
this X and Y install, you would do it this way. And if it's this size, you're doing it this way. Or here's some ideas and thoughts about how to do it. Is that kind of the idea, right? Yeah, it's, you know, let's try and hit the gold standard wherever we can. You know, it's about Mm -hmm. the thought process, the mindset, the always going above and beyond, you know, over over delivering, Mm -hmm. uh, but also making a real functional and 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 a good looking product Mm -hmm. so that we're striving for the best possible outcome. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that, you know, maybe we should look at when we're putting this this book together is um, or this document together is you know, having like, these are the core things you absolutely have to have and very simple things like your table has to be combed and you have to have Velcro like every eight inches. And, but like, here's a suggestion for color code or here's a suggestion Mm -hmm. for, you know, here's some patch panel model numbers that we recommend. Here's a suggestion for how to do this on the other, but here are the core things that you have to have to have a a successful installation. And here's the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. At Dish, yeah. we always had like your core six, or I think it was like core 12, maybe. So, yeah. like, you could do an installation, and as long as you hit core 12 or whatever the hell it was called, you you would technically pass. And so, you could do the downside to it is you could do a really bad job <laughs> and still pass that. But I think we could apply a lot of that to the gold standard, as in, like, you have your core things that you have to have to be to, to have a gold standard installation and then here's the things that you can do to really put the icing off the uh, on the cake ah. but you could do it in such a way so that okay if you um the gold standard should be something that we should be able to hit on every new installation kind of asterisks regardless of your price that you're trying to hit with the customer so like a great example is you know for me, I like using neat patches, but those are $65 per stinking neat patch. So I can mm-hmm. still hit gold standard and reduce cost by doing six inch patch patch cables. I could say I could do a regular rack at this trailer repair center and, you know, save money and maybe hit a budget that they were looking for, but still comb my cable and Velcro it and do nice patches and avoid a neat patch. Um, so I, I think with that, you know, we could have a core that you need to follow, very simple, and then a uh, additions that you can do, you know, because not everyone's going to want to blank out their patch panel, and mm-hmm. not everyone is maybe going to run a a, um, a a patch panel that is keystoned. I think you can right. still have a really nice installation without running a keystone patch panel, but... I mean, I would never run anything but a keystone patch panel. <laughs> so right, right. I think there's some things there. Cause I, I think maybe one of the things as we've talked about it is that we want to be so specific because if someone follows it rule by rule, they should have a successful installation. But um, you know, there's so many variables involved to it that I think we can't really like pin it down to one exact way to do it. So as long as you're following some general guidelines and then applying some specific, um, you know, guidelines to your given installation size, you know, you'll be successful at it. So, yeah, I, I, I like that approach, you know, the, yeah. I guess the core or the mission critical, whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. And then do like party bonus, you know, items. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Whatever you, whatever you, yeah. I'm actually looking at the neat patch hashtag on Instagram. Mm-hmm. There's some pretty, some pretty good installs. I don't know if you can see my screen, but yeah, some good, good yeah. looking stuff. Yours was like the top one, of course. Heck yeah. <laughs> Gosh, man, you're everywhere. 
<laughs> Once going then, places, bro. Thanks, man. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I talked to uh, the Volt guy. I, I called him on the yeah. phone one night because yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, oh my gosh, we got him on the Slack channel. So I immediately messaged him and I was like, okay, please call me or can I call you? Yeah, and yeah. so he, uh, my immediate question was, if you look at his Instagram, his cable is like perfectly combed. And yeah. I was, I was wondering, I'm like, how the heck do you do that? Because I've seen it a couple times, but I, I spent, I don't know, probably like a whole half of a day trying to find like tutorials on it. It's fine. I mean, like you can comb cable in a, in a tray all day long and make it look beautiful. Like he does. It's the fact that he gets it beautifully combed all the way to the patch panel. Cause even at, right. even like the gold standard rack, like once it gets in the patch panel, they all kind of start crisscrossing like that picture looking at right there. I mean, that is like perfect. So I was talking to him about it and the answer may surprise you. Um, he are said, you tell me now, or are you going to tease it? <laughs> he, he said, well, maybe you want to guess how he, how he gets them that way. Gosh, I can't even imagine. Um, how could he do it that way? I don't know. Like pre do the Velcro prior to it, like Velcro the, I don't know. He doesn't follow any labeling scheme. He doesn't put them in order. Oh God. Yeah. So, which really surprised me. And if I and I believe I'm understanding him correctly because he's he said, here's the thing is like you know that those 24 are going on that patch panel, but he said, no one because the labels don't make sense, it'll be like uh, just a string of random numbers, and so you don't really know which one's going where. So you just kind of like okay, this one wants to go in this port, so I'm just gonna put it in that port. Which really surprised me because he he was saying like you could spend all day and you know get it all perfectly combed and all in order, but you know it's just a time thing. I don't really fully agree with that. I understand maybe for him it works because his labels are like sixteen digits long or whatever because he's doing this for you know very very big customers um, which have thousands and thousands and thousands of network drops in their data center, so they just know it needs to be on patch panel D eight. And it's going to be somewhere in there and they need to patch to it. Um, they don't really know what port it's going to be. So I was kind of shocked by that because I've never been in an installation scenario where you have that many drops and it's like you kind of don't, you just know it's going to be on a patch panel, but you're not sure which one. And that's the norm apparently. So, <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's a different concept or different kind of scenario because you're yeah. not going to like an office room or like a hospital bed. Correct. It's, it, it's just going from where are these going from like one, one IDF to another IDF or like what? Um, he, from what he describes, like they might be like servers or, um, you know, network yeah. drops in a data center of some kind. So I assume most of them are servers. Um, uh, you know, he does a lot of work in Oregon. So a lot of it is these data centers cause there's a fiber, there's fiber that runs in the ocean out of Oregon. So there's like Microsoft and Apple and a lot of your big players out there have data centers to use that fiber and so that's what they mainly do is are uh is doing doing that those data centers doing all the installations so i thought it was fascinating because i yeah. have that's the one thing that annoys me and that's the one thing that like when i went and saw pierce's installation i had 
kind of figured that he combed it all the way and it was like perfect. But when you look at it, it's not, and it's nothing against Pierce or anything. I mean, he does great work, but it's like, okay, so I'm not the only one that (laughs) like, am I missing something here? I did uh, we did installation or we helped on installation for Audix communications down in Southern Indiana. And there was a tech there and he had them perfectly combed. I mean, like they came out of the conduit and they were perfect, but he would spend a day and a half per IDF. Toning and testing. What? Toning and testing. Is that what he would do? No, no. He would lay out all the cables. So they're all labeled, but oh. he would, he would sit there and he would, he would, he would get them all set up on the floor. So he would take all his cables, lay them out on the floor get them all in the exact order and then start working them into oh. a bundle. Holy and he would shit, go, okay. so I know this one is coming out of the conduit here and it needs to end up on this port. So I'm going to put it in my cable comb exactly right here. And that way that cable end up. And it was like, okay, so there's clearly something, there's a way to do it. There's a way I, to do it. Yeah. I just haven't figured that out. And so the one thing that he told me that I, I really want to buy is because I got my cable comb, the, uh, is the blue and the yellow one. And he's like, ah, no, man, you got to get a Panduit one. And I only found one video on YouTube where the guy had combed it perfectly to the patch panel and he was using a Panduit one as well. So that's something I kind of want to get and see like, okay. Because when you look at the Panduit one, you can kind of lay it out that way. Uh, You can do them left to right. And there's a a separator in the center. So I think if I get one of those and I just kind of play with it, we could probably accomplish that. Yeah. So that's like the last thing that really bugs me on these racks is like you comb it all out perfectly and then you get to the end and it's like, they're all kind of crisscrossing and going a, a different way. Um, on the, on the cat six, a one that we did, I had Jeremy at work on it. I'll, you know, just, I just told him, just take your time with it. And he was able to, to pretty much accomplish that, but it took him a lot longer than it normally does. So I don't know if we have the time on yeah. a job, we'll, we'll do it. Cause I think it's worth it. Cause you open that rack up. You're like, yeah, uh-huh. Yep. You see that? That's Ex- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cause that's like the, that's like the last mile or the last like foot. You, know? yeah. like you want, you want that to look the best because all the, all the other stuff's like up in the ceiling. You mm-hmm. want the rack to look good. And it's organized. You know where everything's going. Oh man, yeah, that that would frustrate me quite a bit, especially Cat Six A. Oh yeah, all like like oh like oh like you know all stiff and like all over the place. Oh man, that stuff's a, such a pain to run. It is, but it's incredible. You get ten gig over three hundred feet, man. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. That's crazy. I don't know. To me, it's like because that was when I when we did the installation. That's when I first got the fluke, and I remember taking Cat Six wire. And just doing tests in the office, and like it would fail at a pretty low footage. And I'm like, really, really? You're saying that this cable's gonna pass in an industrial welding environment? I don't know. <laughs> and then it did. I'm like, well, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, so check it. Uh, your your homework is to put some more pictures into the LVN Gold Standard you channel. Let's just let's keep this rolling, man. Okay. It's been kind of stalling out, and nobody yeah. wants to post stuff. I don't know why. We have assumptions, but I don't know for sure. Yep, we, we have some assumptions. So let's keep it rolling, man. Is there, hey, is there anything else? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Or are we good to go? I I think we're good. I think we need to get back on the podcast more. That's partially or mainly my fault, but uh, oh, you know. Both. But you know, yeah, this last few days was yours totally, hundred percent. Yeah, any ownership for that? I'll take responsibility for it. Yeah. Um, 
one of the I would like to uh, when I get the van pretty much wrapped up, we're gonna take some more photos and shoot it over to you. So post some on yeah. Instagram there. I'm I'm really I'm really happy about that and uh, keep working on it. But no, I'm that really happy with it. I uh, I'm really happy with the way the podcast is going. I'd like to uh, I think we need to focus a lot on uh, topics and and seeing if we can find some more interesting topics to talk about that maybe people haven't heard about. But you know we're we're growing and trying to. Uh, figure out yes. the direction of it so yeah still yeah still in kind of experiment mode to yep. a certain extent but yeah if you if you come across any topics throughout the your adventures uh jot them down or take a picture or something so we have some content definitely cool man all right i'm gonna get out of here man i'll talk to you soon later all right brother bye